0: Hello, friends, and welcome to DBC Conversations. This is a podcast designed to help you go deeper and to help you understand what it looks like to follow Jesus in our day. Each week, we will discuss the messages taught at DBC and how we can grow together as the body of Christ. My name is AJ, and I'm here with our lead pastor, Chad Zook, and we're your host for this conversation. Welcome back to
1: DBC Conversations. We're here on a... We're actually doing this early today. Yeah, we are doing this early. As of right now, by the time you're hearing this, I am in Illinois. Yep, and I'm still here in Dublin. Yeah, holding it down. Yep. So, it was a
0: good weekend, though. Um, Just had a lot of fun doing... We had a video this week. Chad was out Sunday. So, Mm -hmm. we spent all day last Wednesday
1: Mm -hmm. doing the video, like, all day. Mm -hmm. It was a long, hot day. It was so hot. <laughs> it was so hot. Standing out on that trail, all the clothes on, and then we're standing in in the warehouse. I yeah. just want to give a shout out to Karen say thank you, Karen, for allowing us to go into the warehouse to do the, the main bulk of the teaching of the Bible yep. in, in that space, and it was stinking hot. It was hot.
0: But it was really good. I, I think the video was good. I hope people enjoyed it. It was really fun to uh, just take some creative license
1: and yeah. work on that. Feel free to share what you thought of it, you know, positive, negative ways that so we can have improved that video. Please mm-hmm. feel free to share that. Um, it was uh, it was great to do, and I love the creativity, but at the end of the day, it's a matter of the Word of God. Mm-hmm. So That's right. Um, so that's really what it goes, and really what it all boils down to. So a uh, question just kind of to get us started right now. Uh, for you a j it's it's this i think the message definitely spoke into it and i shared some scripture around it and and a story too but if we're in Christ, why do we keep sinning hmm.
0: that's a good question i uh, i mean it would make sense if once you you know're in the family of God and you accepted jesus that your sin just is no more like you're but we all know if Wouldn't that be have been alive for five seconds, that's not the case. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, to answer that question, I think it has to do with our sin nature versus uh, the mm. divine nature. Um, so yet while we, um, you know, if you're in Christ and Jesus is in your heart, um, there's still a lot of things that, that we wrestle with as people. Um, and I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that we're supposed to be being made like Christ, mm-hmm. but we're never going to be perfect. You know what I mean? Like it's a constant wrestling and constant striving. So there's a sin nature versus a divine nature, and that will always be the case until the day we die.
1: Yeah, and I, and that goes right into like things that Paul said in the New Testament, in Colossians particularly, in Colossians 3 he says, since then, this is Colossians 3, verse 1. He says, since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. So set your heart and set your minds. And then he goes through and he, he talks about putting to death a certain list of things. Hmm. And he even, in other places, he says, get rid or rid yourselves of these things. So he's definitely showing that there's a continual work right after salvation. Yeah. Um, it'd be amazing if... If we could just like sit back and live the the perfect life and all this after salvation, but then we would be Jesus. And I can tell you, I clearly am not Jesus. Right. right. Well, the the Christianese
0: way of saying this, and even Paul says this word is sanctification. You know, just becoming more like Christ. Right. And it's really a great picture, though, of um, because we still have the sin nature, and because through sanctification, uh, we really see. Even God's mission lived out in our own life. You know, God's mission to heal and renew and and make old things new and dead mm-hmm. things alive. That's what happens in our life. So it's not that those things are once we get saved they're thrown out the window. More or less, they're they're being renewed. Our minds right. should be being renewed. Our hearts mm-hmm. being renewed. So it's really just a, a great picture to see. You know, God working
1: in us and where our lives are are formed around our loves. Oh yeah, the Habits. things that we that we love. Right. We. Just instinctively create habits around those things that we love. So, right. say if somebody, uh, you know, gives their life to Jesus, and now it's like, wow, God is is regenerate in them, and mm-hmm. they're born again. They have the ability to have faith and to love God for the first time, and really, that is the first time. And uh, but yet, they still have a whole life that they've lived mm. full of habits, yeah. and those habits have formed loves that are counter to, many of them counter to the love mm-hmm. of God.
0: I even think last week we talked a little bit about Family of Origin, and yeah. there's a great book with that um, you and I have read called The Emotionally Healthy Leader by mm-hmm. Pete Scazzaro, and even thinking about Family of Origin, and he, he has this amazing line in the book, and it says, you know, Jesus is in my heart, but Grandpa is in my bones. Wow. And this idea that like habits form you, but also your family forms mm-hmm. you, so... Um, if you're not raised uh, in a Christian home, you're going to have habits that you're mm-hmm. formed by and even things that you've seen that probably don't line up with the way of Jesus, you know. So you have to wrestle with that and say, well, what am I going to take from this? And, and then what am I going to leave, you know? So,
1: a, so we've gotten to the place that we are right. by a certain set of experiences and desires and really loves. Yeah. So is a, is a weird story with this, I think it's kind of weird, but it totally relates. And that's where my mind goes. Years ago, I weighed about probably 15 pounds more than what I do right now, mm-hmm. and and I'm not going to tell you what I weigh right now because <laughs> you're like oh, you're about ready to do some math. Not going to yeah. happen. But I weighed about 15 pounds more, maybe even at maybe even 20 pounds more. And I I was in the habit of eating ice cream. I love ice cream. What kind of ice cream? Um, the thing is, I'm not like real picky when it comes to ice cream. Okay. It was more the the Quantity than it was the quality. Okay. Um, I did like cookies and cream, and I did like pralines and cream. Okay. But uh, but I couldn't always afford the good stuff, so I would just you know like Edies and all that. I just couldn't do that, so I would get like whatever store brand was. Right. But then I would just load it up full of like coconut and chocolate and sprinkles, whatever it was. Wow. So it
0: wasn't like a bowl of vanilla ice cream. It was like an ice cream sundae bar. It was
1: never just vanilla. (laughs) Let's just let's just. I'm 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 a lot of things, AJ, but I'm not vanilla. Okay, all right. right. I'm not that guy. But I did. I literally had a problem with this, and I got to the point where, and this is where I I remember this, and maybe I'm remembering wrong, of course, because you don't always remember things that are always crystal clear and right. But I remember that I was eating about a gallon of ice cream a week. Wow, I know. And, uh, and I loved it, but I didn't see that it was even a problem. I just mm. saw that that was kind of my reward at the end of the day right? to just, oh, you know, I worked hard today sitting in front of the TV and I'm just going to have this ice cream and and that just grew and grew and grew where the bowl got bigger and bigger and bigger until I got to a really bad place. And I looked in the mirror and I was, I was sluggish, didn't have a whole lot of energy and I knew something that needed to change. I didn't know what all needed to change. But by God's grace, He showed me that, that my appetite for ice cream had gotten out of control, and I just stopped.
0: Hmm.
1: And I, I've eaten ice cream since then, but I don't have. We literally don't have ice cream in the home, and we haven't since then.
0: Wow! So just a, a little sidebar on this. Mm-hmm. This is just a, a question I want to ask. Whenever you and Marla got married, so were you eating ice cream then when you guys first got married, or like three your adult years?
1: With- all right, so let's let's just break it down. Um, I was an E one in the Navy. We were probably having ramen noodles, okay. noodles when okay. we started out. All so right. I probably right. couldn't afford ice cream when sure. we started. When I could afford it, uh, we would probably splurge a little bit. Okay. But we were we were pretty much broke.
0: Well, whenever you started having ice cream mm-hmm. in your home, did you feel like because you're an adult and married that you can have like not three scoops but like five scoops now? Like no one's going to tell you what to do because Defin- that's totally where I am definitely right it's like definitely home, like when you're with your parents it's like uh you can have two scoops or three scoops like, and now oh, it's just the- like I'll take five or six yeah you know like oh, it's absolutely. just this adult ice cream that yeah, comes yeah, to you yeah. so
1: do you yeah. always wish though like somebody was looking over your shoulder be like mm, I don't know really
0: yeah and then I would that just turn around scoop? And
1: say don't judge me right right don't judge of me. course of course now
0: I think that's a great uh example of what you say like it's not that ice cream itself is bad It's not that, but it's whenever you let that get out of control. And like you said, you didn't even realize it. What it was doing to you physically, just like with weight and how that's just a lot of dairy and like sugar and it's just not good for you. And so easily that can become a habit that shapes you to where it's just normal. Absolutely. I think right now. Uh, And culture, you know, this whole this whole little mini series we're on it, we're all talking about culture and Mm -hmm. Christianity and culture and what that means. And we have a lot of cultural sins that we don't even realize are sins. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of talk about some like what are you seeing
1: right now that are cultural sins? Well I'll break it down in three different ways. These are these are not my initial ideas, but I wanna I I I want to apply them to the Western world, and certainly Christians in the Western world, I think that we fall into this. And it's a quote from Augustine. This is what he says. Sin is believing the lie that you are self-created, self-dependent, and self-sustained. So he breaks it down in three different ways. Self-created, self-dependent, and self-sustained. And I believe that the Western world has believed these lies, that we, we can just become our own person, we can decide who we're going to be, We can even, um, we can modify our own bodies to become now through science and, you know, the practice of medicine, quote unquote, we can make ourselves to be whoever it is that we want to be. And then also it's the the underlying thing behind being self-dependent is, well, I just don't need God. Hmm. I just don't need God. And then being self-sustained or it's just this you know, this, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong in this, but it's like, I think there's this whole movement that that is just this phenomenon of living off the grid and like, man, I, living off the grid. And like the goal is I just need to get away from the government and I need to get away from right. everyone and I need to like grow green beans in my backyard, but I need to put up a fence and so nobody sees that I'm growing green beans because, you know, I have to keep people away and all that fear-mongering sure. kind of stuff. Yeah. But I think even all of that off the grid mentality is this is this lie that Satan has put in us mm-hmm. um, in us as a culture that we should be self sustaining? Hmm.
0: And that even speaks, you know, even to what we talked about last week about community. Like right. that totally even goes against that idea. It's, Absolutely, it's the idea of it's all focused on self and community, and you know that you're self sustaining. You know, And um, I just we have TV shows that are based around that idea. Of, yep. That's like the I don't know if it's a new thing or even if most people buy into that, but it's definitely a thing. Um, and we don't look at that as a sin per se. I mean, we don't look at that and say, oh, that guy totally is just depending on himself because
1: we, mm-hmm. we just see like we're just told it's normal. Well, yeah, I mean, that looks like success. Sure. Within American culture, that just looks like success. If, if somebody can do it themselves, you're like, yeah. man, I want what that guy has. That guy's special. You know, and with men what i found is somebody who's maybe really gifted in a certain area, like maybe they're really good with their hands. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, they just don't need anybody. And yet there's something within me as a man, it was just longing for what that guy has. Right. Oh, he's just self-dependent. He doesn't even have to call a plumber. He can do it himself. He doesn't need to call an electrician. He doesn't need to call a painter. He can work on his own car. He can do all of this. Mm. And it's like, it's almost like there's this there's something woven into our society that that's what success looks like, hmm. like that that's the goal yeah. of being self sustaining, being self dependent, and now we even see that being fleshed out of saying no. Now I can now I'm self created. I can be whoever I want to be. I can just reinvent myself. Right.
0: Hmm. I want to kind of swap gears a little bit because I think another um, I think another cultural sin that we see is very common regardless of where you live, but it's just the idea of busyness. Yeah. Um, and we were talking earlier, and we said this, busyness is the badge of honor in our day. Right. And it's this idea that I'm so busy, I have so much going on. Like, busyness equals importance now. Yeah. The more busy you are, like, the more important you are, the more special you feel, the more you can post on social media. Sure. Um, post pictures on Facebook and brag about all the things you've done. Mm-hmm. But yet, it's so countercultural to the way of Jesus and even, even the way we are supposed to live as believers.
1: So let's pause right there. I mean, you're totally—I think you're totally right. But also this connects with the Augustine quote. hmm Because busyness then becomes the stronghold of which we then seek to verify our ability to self-create, be self-dependent, and self-sustained. hmm so the busyness is then a stronghold around it, saying, "Oh, I'm so busy," and then in it, it, it's in some way propping up all of these other idols, right? And these really wow. sinful patterns. Hmm. Yeah, the busyness is a badge of honor in our day. I mean, if you ask someone, and this is certainly the case in ministry, I, I'll just say this, and not even I don't even know what context you as a listener. I don't even know where you are right now. If you're If you're at your house or you're trying to make dinner or if you're driving in your car or your truck right now and you're just trying to fit everything into this container of your life and maybe this is your life, you're busy. I'll just give you a little nugget how it is for me. If somebody asks me to say, uh, you know, know, how's everything going? I say, man, I'm really busy. But not one time have I repented that maybe I'm too busy. Hmm. Instead, it's busy and they think, oh, Because if you're talking pastor to pastor, it's like busy means bigger. Bigger means, in in church world, if you're talking to another pastor, the temptation is busy equals bigger. Bigger equals successful.
0: Wow. That's so true. I mean, that's that's why if... (laughs) You talk to somebody that goes to another church most of the time the first question is, "Well, how many people do you have?" because that, that equates to success Absolutely. And that means, you know it all says it all says the same thing yep. it's, this, it's a different question that's communicating the same thing, yeah, busyness equals success
1: and wow. now now what uh, what God is showing me is, and I'm certainly like so in preschool as far as this understanding. don't get me wrong, right but getting to just the base level. Learning of when when I use busyness as a defense mechanism, or if I use busyness as a way to explain uh, my life, or if I use busyness as a way to prop myself up, I have to repent.
0: This is something that was is pretty new to me. I feel like two years ago was when I started learning kind of spiritual formation material and even mm-hmm. spiritual disciplines and all that language i'd never heard yeah. that
1: slow down spirituality right it was
0: brand new yeah. it felt it felt like fresh but it also felt so foreign i mean i've yep. been in church my whole life and i've never I, I remember the first time i heard a um a sermon on like the sabbath and mm-hmm. i it blew my mind i remember we were having lunch and i'm like what is this this mm-hmm. is crazy but even now, whenever I respond to somebody when they ask me, How are you doing? and I say, Busy, it almost carries some kind of weight or dirtiness to it because I know mm-hmm. that's so against the way of Jesus. Like mm-hmm. before, it was normal. I didn't see it as like wrong, like you need to slow down. I equated busyness with, Oh, well, you're supposed to work. That's all you do. Like it, that's all life is about is working. And now, just even though I don't do it well all the time, I still have a, a context and understanding. It makes so much sense
1: now. Mm-hmm. And it's even, if you look at the Ten Commandments, and I'm not going to go through all of them, but if, if you were to go through the Ten Commandments and I were to say, and I would just ask you, do you think murder is wrong? You're going to be like, absolutely it's wrong. Or do you think adultery is wrong? Absolutely it's wrong. Do you think it's it's okay to steal? No, it's not okay to steal. You would go right down the list, and yet that made the top ten. Right to keep the Sabbath, and then as soon as you got to that, you'd be like, well, I just don't know how to do that, and then we would start to explain away our behavior. Right.
0: I heard a pastor say this not too long ago. He wrote a book on the Sabbath, and through an interview, they, he was going through the Ten Commandments, and you know, he said, if I were to murder somebody, I would lose my job at, at my church. If I were to you know, cheat on my wife, I'd lose my job at the church. If I were to steal money, all this, and then he said, if I were to you know, break the Sabbath, I would get a raise. Wow. blew my mind. It's just such a like a sobering thought of how you know kind of messed up we are in our thinking of what busyness equates to.
1: So that is a a prime example how culture has rubbed off on Hmm. into Christianity, right? Here that now that that has morphed into a cultural Christianity that is in opposition to the truth of God's word. Sure, all hidden under this mindset that busyness equals success. What challenges me is maybe your busyness is blinding you to the blessings of God. Hmm. Maybe the blessings of God God are right on the other side of your, your busy schedule, and maybe all of these levels of busyness are barriers that you're putting up, or you're allowing other people to put up, and you're not tearing down, that are actually hindering you from the blessings of God. And what could be on the other side of that blessing? You know, in that blessing, what could be on the other side of those barriers? And how good, how good your walk with Jesus would be, how wholesome your life would be, the purpose that, that you really could live out, and how strong your family really could be.
0: So we've brought up the idea of Sabbath, but could you just give uh, the listener just a definition of Sabbath and, and what that is exactly?
1: Yeah, uh, Sabbath is confusing. A lot of people think, oh, it's legalistic, or some people think, oh, that's Old Testament. Um, and we just talked about the rest of the Ten Commandments, which we would say, yes, okay, those are all relevant. But then we try and, I think in the American way, we try and explain away right what Sabbath is. So I just want to give a kind of a working person's definition of Sabbath. Sabbath is a time set apart from paid or unpaid work for rest. That's hard. Yeah. It's difficult. Yeah. It is. And, uh, and and in it it is difficult. It's difficult because you have to set a priority. Right. You work toward sabbath. Sabbath is then the reward. We talked about habits and loves. Well, once you have a sabbath rhythm, don't think of it as a rule, think of it as a rhythm or a pace. Right. Once you create that, you work so your reward is sabbath. Right. It's a gift. From God, absolutely. Like when, and even if you
0: flash back to creation, yep. You know, God rested. It was what God put in motion into creation. Mm -hmm. His intentions were not that we would change that, but that we would follow through, and that we would also rest along. You know,
1: in our work, in our work week. You know. Yep. So now I think as as just as a consequence to not resting. I mean, anxiety in our, in our culture, skyrocketing. The Within roof. the church, divorce, skyrocketing in our culture. Uh, addictions, skyrocketing. Everyone, there's like, there's so many things and people are now popping pills. And now they're trying to find coping mechanisms because they don't know how to rest. Right. Or their life has been lived out in such a way with no rest... And now everybody else around them pays the price.
0: Yeah, and, and look at the rise in what we talked about a few weeks ago, self-help literature. Right. Everyone wants to know the key to happiness, and yet we're all running ragged. We're all running ourselves ragged, and we have nothing left to give.
1: Right. And all of this, all of this is rooted on a false belief that there's, that there's a better life that's found by continually working, by busy. Right. It's the American dream. Right. The American dream is, you know, you you work and you're given opportunity to work, you've been, you know, you live in a country, now you can go out and just kind of carve your own way and then eventually when you retire, you can just stop working. Hmm. Like in what world you know, is that the best way? It, it, when I look at the scriptures I just don't see that that's the pathway to what somebody's walk with God should be. It's like, well, you just work really hard and then you retire and then you work for somebody else for all these years and then you retire and then you live for you. Hmm. When even in your sermon, you talk about compartmentalizing
0: compartmentalizing. Yeah. That's what that, that's what it does. So you have your work box, your God box, your family box when there should not be a God box. And then there's this
1: little retirement box and you keep dumping into that retirement box and, and in retirement's good. You should save money for retirement. That's great. But man, what I would say to you is don't waste your retirement. Mm. It, your retirement is not some version of the good life. Yeah. The good life is to be lived now. What if you never reach retirement?
0: That's always the question, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. And what, if your, what if your health at the time of retirement, what if your health doesn't allow you to live the good life that you think you're going to live now? right and you've wasted all these years work right. not resting absolutely i think absolutely. we miss
0: out uh on the gift that god has given us mm-hmm. through through things like sabbath and and he's given us an out to rest and mm-hmm. we want to be clear when we talk about sabbath sabbath isn't laziness it's not just you know waking up uh one day and like vegging on the couch and watching netflix and you know just chilling out and not doing anything i mean sabbath is um it's a day to kind of renew. It's like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, our cars all need gas. We all drive throughout the week and they all have to be refilled. We can be so much like a gas tank that we have to be refilled or you will run out and you'll burn
1: out. Right. And taking what you said and just give an illustration. If you and I were to go from right here and we were say, you know what? There's this really cool coffee shop because you guys already know that we like coffee. Yes, we do. And, And say that we wanted to go find this coffee shop and we were just – we were bent on going to this coffee shop in Seattle Mm -hmm. because they have really good coffee there. And we just got in a car. We would fill up in our car, but yet in the midst of that, we wouldn't go from fill up to zero to fill up to zero to fill up to zero all the way there. Instead, you see, when – what we would do is you would fill up and then when you saw it getting a little bit low – then you would fill up again. You wouldn't wait until you hit zero miles left to go in your journey. You can't afford to. You can't. You can't. When we go through our life without Sabbath rhythms, what we're in essence saying to God is, I'm going to go from full to zero and just wipe myself out, hoping to be filled back up, and then I can just limp along for the rest of my journey. Hmm. And then I'll just go to zero, and God, I'll cry out to you, please help me, please fill me, please fix me and then get a little bit more, and then go along. But what God has for us is more of a pace or a rhythm that you don't wait until you go to zero. Wait until you get to a quarter of a tank. We'll call it six days. Right. Hmm. And rest. And everyone needs this. Yeah. There's not
0: one person on this earth that is set apart from this gift. Yeah. That, sure, physically, can you go two, three weeks without without resting? Can you go two or three weeks of working? Sure. You can, and you're going to pay for it, Absolutely. whether it's physically, mentally, whether your family's going to pay for it. I think a lot of the times, even in the church world, what we can become guilty of, and even you and I, like uh, being on staff in ministry kind of boots on the ground daily, it can become easy to do the things for God and not be with God. Hmm. You know, Schizero talks about our being with God mm-hmm. and doing for God, and those have to be working hand in hand they can't be outweighing each other
1: they have to work hand in hand and it's built on like the false virtue of busyness right that i am what i do yeah i am what i do when i meet someone the first question or when someone meets
0: me the first question is what do you do that's how we're yep. identified now is what we do yep. so how do we balance what we do with not being our identity
1: right yeah and in when when we prioritize sabbath what we're doing is we're setting ourselves up i think we're we're setting ourselves up in such a great way the two main references for that are mentioned in the old testament about sabbath the two main ones that i'll talk about today is in exodus 20 but also in deuteronomy in deuteronomy 5 specifically in verse 15 it says this and i think it speaks so much into what we're seeing in our culture and even to what Christians have have just kind of fallen asleep to this reality. But this is what uh, God's Word says in Deuteronomy 5, starting at verse 15. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. He's saying remember that you were once enslaved to this industrial machine of making bricks for Pharaoh. Remember that there was, there was this way of life that you had no control over because Pharaoh told you what to do. And he says, now I, I'm giving you this gift, this gift of rest. He says, but he wants you to remember the way it was because remember the way it was and then now your life is going to be lived out with this pace and rhythm of Sabbath. But don't forget, don't forget where I brought you, and don't forget where I brought you to. It's so
0: easy to read that and to think that only applies to the Israelites in Egypt, but we need to be honest and realize that America is Egypt today. America is our Egypt, and we can become enslaved to that industrial machine of just Mm -hmm. making more money, of having more things, of just going more, not resting. And we have to be careful and not read that through the lens of, you know, Moses and that whole story and realize that can be us. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't exclude us in that passage.
1: Right. Yeah. We, America is Egypt. Wow. America is Egypt. I think you're right. And I think we're enslaved to ourselves yeah. We are both the slave and we are both Pharaoh. Right. Because the country that we live in, we have, we have so many options mm-hmm. of things to do. This is such a, a great land of, of opportunity. Right. And we, we even in this country, in our culture, we can take ourselves away from um, the industrial machine. We just have to choose to do so. Right. But if we're unwilling to accept the idea of Sabbath... We're in essence, just choosing to stay enslaved to the American dream, yeah, and we in that sense,
0: we've totally just pushed aside the idea of what God has in store for us. I think that's what we that's what we can suffer from hmm. is missing out on what what God really wants, and he wants the best for us mm-hmm. He's a good father, he wants the best for his children, and he knows that the best isn't going to come from working ourselves to death, right it's only going to come if we rest and work and have a healthy rhythm. We're not we're not proponents of you need to be lazy or you need to just, you know, like call in sick from work just cuz you need a day like no, you need to have a healthy rhythm of work and rest. They work hand in
1: hand. Yeah. I mean, most of the time what what I found is if somebody has to call in sick just because they're like wiped out from work, what they've done is they've not rested. Right, right.
0: That's the, because that's
1: the, that's the gas in your gas tank right. th- for that illustration, yep. for us to go do the things that we're supposed to do, including work. I mean, yeah. we're to glorify God in our work. That's what it says in Colossians 3. Whatever we do, do it for the glory of God. Sure. So, yeah, and again, I want to reach back into, into the message just a little bit. So Sabbath, it, it helps us to not be busy and not to be overwhelmed by busyness to create this normal pace and rhythm to our life. So we, we have a rest rhythm. Also Sabbath is not laziness, right? It's not, well, now I just get to do nothing. It's, it's pulling away from the industrial machine, so to speak in our, in our country and whatever it is that the work ethic and all these things that we're enslaved to, whether it's because that's the way that we see the world. And that's the way we've been raised up through our family of origin and instead it's a it's a way of connecting to the joy of the lord and connecting to the to uh to him personally but also connecting to the things that help give us life right so so with this it's not just laziness sometimes it's going for a walk connecting with god on the walk sometimes it's it's having people over mm-hmm. um just to have people over just to sit there and just to enjoy fellowship and it's it's not work. right? It's pleasure. It's joyful in right. bringing people in and just having a cookout like that. or I mean, it could be a bunch of other things. These are the things sure. that just come to mind. And it's also not being passive. So it's not just, well, I'm just going to pull away and just be passive and not handle things in my life. It's, it's, as a matter of fact, it's very much Sabbath is pulling away from the busyness, from the craziness of life and saying, you know what? I'm fueling up in this moment and I'm going to launch forward. That I've rested in Jesus, I am secure in who He says that I am. My identity is rooted in who He says that I am, and now I am propelled to go forward to to live out the mission of God. So there's nothing passive about it.
0: Right. So Sabbath is a gift. Uh, Sabbath is uh, mm-hmm. resting, and busyness uh, does not equal success in the kingdom of God. That's and right. Sabbath isn't laziness, and it's not uh, being passive either. And so. Uh, we've given you kind of an understanding of what Sabbath is, and we just want to give you a couple hands-on practical things for Sabbath and maybe how you can even start incorporating this in your family and in your home. So we think with Sabbath, uh, the first thing that you need to do is you need to build a life container. Right. What we mean by that is you need to decide what fits into Sabbath and what doesn't fit into
1: Sabbath. Think about the shipping containers that we see all up and down I-16. Right. They're only so big. Yep there's there's only so much volume within those containers and there's only so much volume in someone's life. Right.
0: And you have to be disciplined in this area and, and maybe even, I mean, for, for Ashley and I, we have sat down, we've made lists, and that might sound legalistic, but we needed that to say, well, what what do we
1: need to keep out of this day? Right. So you decided in that, you decided what needed to fit and right. what didn't need to yep. fit. That's right.
0: Another thing for us that we found is very helpful is you need to plan for Sabbath. Sabbath look at Sabbath almost like if you're going to plan to go on vacation. If you just wake up on a Saturday morning and say, we're going to the beach today, you may not have a really successful day because you're not ready for it. So mm-hmm. you have to get ready for Sabbath. So throughout the week, um, Ashley and I, we make a, a habit of you know making sure that laundry's done, dishes are done, the house is clean. We are prepared for when mm-hmm. Sabbath comes so we can fully embrace that day. And we can fully rest in that. The last thing I would tell you is uh, probably one of the, the easiest things and, and most joyful things about it. But you mm-hmm. need to do something special to set that day apart. This is the reward. This is a, you need to treat it like mm-hmm. it's a gift and, and yeah. really live into that day. And so, again, for Ashley and I. We, there's a a little bakery uh, in town and we don't have time to go to the bakery any other day of the week. And we don't do it every time, but we've Mm -hmm. tried to make it a habit that we will go get a donut or go Mm. get, you know, some, some type of pastry just to set that day apart, to really live in that day and what God has for us. And it's, Mm. there's nothing spiritual about that. It's just the the joy of Sabbath and what, and the joy in that gift. Mm. So those are things that we believe are super helpful uh, and will hopefully help you. You know, integrate
1: Sabbath in your own life. Yeah. So that was about Sabbath. Now I just want just to quickly break down really where we've gone in this conversation, but then also wrapping up, uh, connecting to this to the sermon rather. But uh, it's so, how can we break these unhealthy and even sinful habits, actions, and attitudes? How can we break that? And I praise God that He wants us to break free from those. He wants us to have victory. He doesn't want us to live the lie that we're self-created, that we're self-dependent, or that we're self-sustained. Because we're surely not. So, the first thing I would say, wrapping all this up, is take a sin inventory. Ask yourself the question, where am I acting as if I am self-created? Where am I acting or living as if I am self-dependent? Where am I acting or living as if I am self-sustained? And... Whatever bubbles to the surface after that inventory, whatever's there and the Holy Spirit reveals to you, confess it before God. Admit to God what He already knows about you, but you just telling God, you know what, we're on the same page and I need to change. And the last one is the change, is repentance. Whatever habit you have, whatever action you've been taking, whatever attitude that you've lived under or believed, repent of it. Give it to God. Turn from your ways to his way, and your life will go better.